Let's take out the trash day. Friday. I mean, what is it? Any stories we have to give the press that we're not wild about, we give them all in a lump on Friday. Why do you do it on Friday? Because no one reads paper on Saturday. But we do. I'm Yael Grauer. And I'm Jimmy Jenkins, and this is the Monday Morning Dumpster Dive. On Friday, the New York Attorney General announced that President-elect Donald Trump agreed to settle ongoing lawsuits alleging he was committing fraud through Trump University. Trump, you! Trump is paying $25 million to settle two class action suits and a penalty from New York State, but he doesn't have to admit wrongdoing. Trump later tweeted he paid a small fraction of the potential award against him and said he reached the settlement so he could focus on his next gig as leader of the free world. Daniel Masolia is a Chicago-based attorney, and he says this case could be far from over because Trump was bragging about the deal before it has been accepted by the judge or the plaintiffs. When a class action settlement is proposed, it's not um, immediately effective as law once the attorneys on both sides agree on it. It becomes effective as a matter of law after a few other steps take place, and those steps include both preliminary and final approval on the part of the district court judge, the federal judge in this case, and then also in general approval by the class, so the actual members of these lawsuits, the plaintiffs in these lawsuits who are suing Trump University for their varying degrees of financial and other harm based on their participation in these seminars. The reason to watch that that statement that I got away with this for, for pennies on the dollar is that if he is if Trump is saying essentially online that this lawsuit was worth a lot more that is a, I think, a potential hook for someone who wanted to challenge the settlement to say this is not a fair, reasonable, and adequate settlement. You know, look, the defendant just said, I got away with this. Um, and so, the, you know, that could be the grounds for someone who was unhappy with the settlement to challenge it. Daniel says there are plenty of other reasons why Trump would want to settle other than to clear up his calendar. There was a lot of incentive for the plaintiffs to settle as well. It is unique for reasons other than the time frame and the prior statements. It's unique because of of Trump's uh, status as president-elect. And that's something that has been universal among attorneys um, speaking about the case is how that would play into litigation in a number of different areas, which include, um, you know, fear of retribution from a, a Trump uh, Department of Justice or a Trump-led government. He's famously retributive and vengeful all the way to sort of these weak need pains to civic virtue and unity, which I don't personally believe has much intrinsic merit in this case. It seems like Trump got a pretty good result, but was it a good deal for the plaintiffs? That depends. There's a whole lot of different things that justice means to people. And so for some people, justice in this case means being able to pay off their credit card debt that was incurred maybe because of these seminars or these, you know, Trump camps. Um, There were, you know, financial harm alleged varying from, I believe, $1,500 to $35,000 based on people's involvement with the program. So for some people, um, you know, it's going to be a good deal if you can pay off what you owe. For other people, more important is uh, an acknowledgement of wrongdoing or an apology. And these are aspects of of the, the court system in this country that often are sort of glossed over, both by practitioners and in looking at trials, because um, in privacy harms, for example, is, is one is one um, area like, you know, maybe you'll get compensated monetarily for, for someone who's violated your privacy in whatever way. But maybe more important to you is that that person is, you know, held responsible and apologizes and looks you in the eye and say, or publicly admits wrongdoing. And so this is like a sort of restorative bent, a restorative tilt that is 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 present for, I believe, these class plaintiffs um, in that many of them maybe do not want their $1,500. Maybe they want Donald Trump on trial 
and on the witness stand having to account for his actions. Aside from escaping pleading guilty to fraud, Trump once again avoided an inside look at his business dealings by staying out of court. Lawsuits are very, very invasive. And the most invasive parts of lawsuits, once you get over the initial shock of suing or being sued, is are they're twofold. The first is discovery, which is the period of time sort of in between the initiation of a case and the resolution of that case, either as a settlement or at trial. And that's invasive because you're being served with interrogatories, like things like questions you have to admit, and you're being um, asked to, to do depositions where you're videotaped and ask questions for hours on end. And you're being asked to produce things. You're being asked to produce things associated with your business or associated with your with your personal life. Then the trial itself is invasive in a different way. And in this case, it's sort of like a crapshoot, right? What can come out with with you know someone as sort of volatile as as he is. But you know, it's not good optics to have the president of the United States on the stand being asked to account for in in what would be in fact multiple trials because. You know, one of the suits is a RICO suit, a federal suit about racketeering. Um, another one of the suits is an aggregation of state law claims about consumer protection and fraud and stuff. And then the final uh, investigation was initiated by the New York Attorney General's office, which, as far as I know, is a mixture of fraud and then violations of New York state law about identifying as an educational institution if you aren't one. So it's just this like sort of swirling mass of allegations, none of which are particularly favorable to the president-elect that would be played out on a highly public stage. There isn't precedent for an incoming president to have this much legal baggage. But there was precedent set by President Clinton, who the Supreme Court ruled could be prosecuted for alleged sexual harassment. The Supreme Court unanimously held that he could be held accountable for those actions because they were private in nature and unrelated to his duties in the office of president. So here we are with yet another Trump dump. But was it a coincidence it came out on a Friday or purposeful? Trump's attorney, Daniel Petruccelli, has dealt with this kind of client before. He's not a stranger to the media. He represented former Enron CEO in a criminal trial. He represented parties suing O.J. Simpson in that civil trial. So, I mean, I'm sure he knows what Friday means. Masolia is a Chicago-based attorney, and you can find him on Twitter at JujuEyeball or on MKLawChicago.com. For more information on allegations surrounding Trump University, see the links in the show notes. We'll catch you next time on the Monday Morning Dumpster Dive.